Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas. I'm Cody Fields, president of Westminster Effects. Go buy stuff at westminstereffects.com. It might be a couple weeks because Black Friday is just demolishing me right now. You can join the discussion of the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. I am joined in person by Bradley Cox, Pastor Greer, South Carolina Resurrection Church. That was about as smooth as, that, as that's ever gone. Uh, and via the interwebs. Hey, everybody. Bye. John Ross. Oh, geez, Cody. Come on, man. Hey, everybody. Bye. John Ross. You said bye. I had already started. It was a whole thing. Oh, sorry. John Ross, Westminster Effects artist, Augsburgian Christian, uh, wearer of Westminster Effects uh, headwear from Lincoln, Nebraska. And, and no longer a rogue show host as yes. happened last week when we couldn't sync up <laughs> much of any schedule you're just like screw it i'll do it myself yep so so thanks that was a fun listen yeah you bet i had a good time doing it lots of inquisition questions uh came in pretty pretty late you know i, I posted a thing and, and people got after it so i was i was happy to see that it was a good time. oh yeah yeah so let's uh let's you know sadly i anticipated recording this the week of thanksgiving we're going to talk about providence today <laughs> but it's still just as applicable mm. whether we're talking about thanksgiving or whether we want to talk about uh the advent season and christmas or whether we want to talk about 2020 mm-hmm. and all that entails or uh or really all of life right so uh I don't do this often. I'm not a big fan of just like going to a dictionary to define a term and then talking about it that way. But I think, uh, I think it's helpful to kind of contrast the way that the Christian views providence. Google defines providence as God or nature as providing protective or spiritual care. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really think providence is you have to root it from a Christian perspective it's always God and it can be weird and supernatural, or it can be God working through natural means that he set up in an ultimate sense and him providing, whether it's spiritual or material or whatever kind of care and, and love toward his, his people and his, well, even those he hasn't adopted. Right. Mm -hmm. Anything, anything there, fellers. Who was the um, who was the singer that did the song "God Is Watching Us from a Distance"? Oh, I don't know. Is it Bette Midler? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> God is watching us. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You, <laughs> like, like, you, it, you had to brush the cobwebs <laughs> off of that nugget of information. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, like the, the reason I bring that up, I mean, the word providence, you know, it's, it, it, you know, provide, uh, I think the, I forget the Latin, uh, you know, cause pro means, um, in advance, or in advance. Like and then, uh, vide is, is like, um, see it's it's to see right it's it's to see or for and some people think that the word providence just means that god has foreknowledge or he foresees and then there's this notion that you know uh, you know people have talked about for centuries that you know he's the big man upstairs who's watching right Mm -hmm. and in english we we have this phrase where we say i'll see to that 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so the, the providence of God is this doctrinally speaking or theologically speaking is that yes, God sees all, he knows all he sees all and he is whatever he sees, he affects whatever he, mm-hmm. whatever he watches, he's involved in. So for, for God to see all things and know all things, providence tells us he's involved in all things. He's ruling over all things. He's controlling all things. And some people get weirded out by that. They, they, you know, uh, is, is God watch is, is God ruling over, is he involved in every virus and every hurricane and every, uh, as well as every good thing that we might experience mm-hmm. in life, and the answer I believe to that question biblically is yes, he is involved mm-hmm. in that. I mean, Matthew, uh, so bad with chapter and verse ten, I believe. You know, it, it, not one sparrow falls to the ground, right? right? That God's not watching over. The, so it's God seeing to mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, I, I think of uh, Jesus upholding the universe by the word of his power. I don't remember where that is either. Yeah, I, heard, I heard I heard Piper. I think that's in um, is that Colossians. Yeah, but, but you can get down. It, it's not just the macro. It's like the subatomic particles that make up your body. Right. S- stick together because God says so. I heard it, Piper it, say one time, if 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 Jesus stopped thinking us, we would cease to exist. Yep. So it, 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 he's holding all things together. Uh, we have to we have to realize that that means he is seeing to everything. He's seeing to every breath that I'm taking right now, every word that I'm speaking. And, you know, the few hairs that I have left on my head are <laughs> numbered. I mean, the, yeah. the, the Bible is prolific with language that God is a very detailed God, very detailed in his provision. Um, and I think that's the beauty of providence. There's such a deep well there to dive into um biblically speaking yeah what you got over there john well you know this is uh, this is something that could uh, logically introduce the question of what of evil uh if god is seeing yeah. to everything if he's seeing to uh the virus uh whatever it may be what is god's role in uh I mean, this is going to sound more sinister than I intended, but the orchestration of evil. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I if if memory serves, that is that is one um, potential dividing line between more Calvinist Reformed understandings of providence and and the the Lutheran uh, understanding, uh, which is more of in cases of uh, evil things. Uh, God concurs with them as evil does exist. Uh, and that part was always kind of fuzzy for me. Um, I, I'd love, I'd love to discuss this more because th- this, this is a fuzzy topic for me personally. Um, it, as far as the general under, understanding of how the, the evil plays in to God's providence, God's action, God's control over all, um, you know, Luther and and I by association uh, are you know and this gets this gets a little further down the path, uh, but adherent to this idea of the bonded will, uh, right? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that we have this concept of free will, but it's only by the grace and direction of God on high, uh, and 
reconciling all those thoughts together is is proved to be to be difficult not only in this moment but in previous times when i've been called upon to to think about those things um so i, I uh, bradley or, or in, and cody if, if you have any insight there I, i'd love to hear your side of the coin as far as the god's action and evil because you know we've seen it, when we talk theology of the cross versus theology of glory um you know, theology of the cross uh, means that all things that happen, good or bad, you know, uh, holy or evil, uh, do so uh, to point us to Christ and to magnify Him. Uh, and and that's certainly something that I think we both adhere to. Uh, but in light of that, I'd, I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on the topic. Yeah, so I think of, um, and and I think of this because I literally just heard this quote like an hour ago, listening to a different podcast. But um, Greg Bonson, uh, reformed apologist, really one of the uh, first larger names to use the presuppositional apologetic, um, when addressing the problem of evil, said, "God has a sufficient moral reason for evil." And, and he just kind of left it at that, <laughs> right? It's, it's kind of a mic drop. It's it's a little kitschy and, and whatnot, but but it's, you know. And and nearly defines presuppositional apologetics. Yeah, pretty in, much. In its yeah. style and form, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I also think of of Genesis 50, of of Joseph talking to his brothers. It's It's mm. not what they meant for evil God used for good, what intended. they meant, yeah. What they meant for evil, God meant for good. It, it God didn't react to it. Uh, God, yeah. God decreed and planned that all along. Bradley, while point, while being it sinless, was proactive. Yes. Yes. You know, it. Yeah. It, it wasn't a ah oh, crap. Look what, look what Judah and Ben did. Dang it. <laughs> On to plan B. Gad, that Gad. I knew a guy with that name. No, you know. Uh, I think that's a good illustration. I, I like that. Um, and is that the things that are, that are uh, uh, perhaps some things that we would categorize as evil are, are done so from our fallen human perspective in so much as the way they uh, affect us, maybe? You think there's some validity in that line of thinking? That Say that again, John. Because of our short-sightedness, right, when it comes to the things of the divine, perhaps some things that we see or perceive that would be evil um, are actually uh, that which is that which is good in in divine providence, but we categorize them as evil because of our lack of of depth our short-sightedness so on and so forth is there any validity in that line of thinking i don't think that evil in every evil is evil right i mean sure. it's, I, it's, I, i'm not getting at <clears throat> that, that evil in general is subjective right uh, but our perception of what may be evil i mean going back to just that that illustration of of uh, uh joseph's brothers what what they and what they meant for evil, God meant for good, or intended for evil, God meant for good. Uh, I, I wonder what other circumstances uh, we see that sort of action in. Well, I think you know the statement what 
Joseph's brothers meant for evil um, it, and what God intended for good, that, that's a statement about, you know, ultimate outcomes, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. change the fact that their betrayal of their brother and selling him into slavery was evil. That was an evil act, yep. regardless yep. of their intentions or God's intentions. That was an evil act. Yep. But God's intentions were to bring Joseph into Egypt sustain the family that would inaugurate the 12 tribes of Israel Mm -hmm. during a time of famine, right? So there's, we we could play the tape out that far and go, okay, well, there's the good outcome that God intended. But then you have to keep going in the story, right? Is that the good outcome that God intended extends beyond sustaining Joseph's family in a time of famine via his Mm -hmm. influence in Egypt to putting a nation in uh, a, a, a race to come from that family in a place under the rule of a pagan evil nation where they would be enslaved for 400 right. years. And then God delivers them. So there again, you get this intentionality from God, this providence where he puts his people, he, he told Abraham, you know, your descendants are going to be enslaved for 400 years. And, and you just keep playing that tape out here. Here's Israel in Egypt enslaved and doing all kinds of horrible uh, uh, things via Pharaoh. And, um, and then God delivers them and brings them into the wilderness and ultimately into the promised land. And I think, you know, providence is not easy. You know, it's not easy chewing uh, in all cases. Um, there are times when we see the providence of God in our lives, and it's it's very easy to celebrate. But you know, with our limited perspective, John, I think maybe this is what you're you're getting at is that sometimes we don't see the goodness of God in His providence in the moment. Um, sure, and and I think that. What, what God has given us in Scripture is he's given us enough examples uh, where we can go, okay, I, I may be in the middle of something extremely difficult, but what I know about God is that his, his providence is good, even though I may not be feeling it and sensing it mm-hmm. right now. Um, so I, I think it, it providence is not easy. There's no denying the fact that evil exists, and you know we can talk about you know, Piper phrases it like this, that God can will sin sinlessly. And I think there are plenty of examples in scripture about that. Um, It's almost like, it's almost like leveraging uh, this, this feels weird to say, but it's almost like leveraging our fallen state to accomplish his holy good ends. I mean, that's, Yeah, that, that's kind of what it feels like. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't print that in a theology textbook right away. Uh, but, um, you know, God is active in in the deed in so much as that it is an, an action that uh, he can see to. And I, I like that phrasing that you use, Bradley, that that's seeing to something. Um, but and what's it what's he seeing to you've got you've got to answer that question first. Um, is he seeing to my ease and comfort in this life? No, that is not his ultimate goal, right? Mm-hmm. He will lead me beside still waters at times, and he will lead me into green pastures, but he will also lead me through the valley of the shadow of death. Yep. And yep. what, what is that? 
so I, I've got to wrestle with that and wrestle with the meta narrative of scripture that tells me God is seeing to his glory being put on display. Yep. And ultimately speaking, that is my good and my joy. Mm-hmm. I am, I, I am all about that because God is all about that. And because what bi- the Bible tells me is that my joy hinges on that, my eternal, everlasting, uh, full, complete, lacking nothing joy is wrapped up in its hinging on God putting his glory on display and his seeing to that agenda at times involves his, I don't know if I would, if I, I guess leveraging evil, um, ruling sovereignly over it and calling Pharaoh his servant, um, using what Joseph's brothers meant for evil for good, the good of his glory being put on display, his plans for a people, the nation of Israel mm-hmm. from which Messiah would come. I mean, we, we have, we have these clear pictures in scripture that, that, you know, point us to the fact that God knows what he's doing. Yeah. And we don't always perceive that his ways. I said this on Sunday, you know, God does what he does when he's ready, exactly when he's ready. And it's always at the right time. And he does what he does his way. Yep. And his ways are often improbable to us, right? We wouldn't have, you know, if, if we were in charge, we might not have chosen 400 years of silence after Malachi and then an old dusty priest and his barren wife being chosen for John the Baptist mm-hmm. and then a virgin being chosen to give birth to the incarnate son of God. We wouldn't have done it that way. But that's how God in Bethlehem of all places and then being raised in Nazareth of all places. It's like we wouldn't have done it that way. Um, His ways are improbable to us a lot of times. And so providence and celebrating that, worshiping God in that in the most difficult times is not always easy. But we do have we do have truth in Scripture to anchor to, even when our circumstances don't necessarily point us to savoring his providence in the moment i think of the the book of job um where where he kind of gives us a different uh category for evil because often when we think of evil we only think uh sin where where evil biblically can be you know both um both things that stem from sin and things that stem from uh you know like when jesus referenced uh the tower that fell you know, that, that wasn't anyone's fault, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but that would still be called an evil thing. And Job said, shall we not accept good from God as well as evil? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and eventually on into the book, Job, Job complains a little bit too much. And God says, all right, put a cup on. Mm-hmm. Who are you? Yeah, right. <laughs> Did you stretch out the universe That's like good. a sheet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, where, you know, God kind of puts him in his place, but at the same time, we have things like Romans eight where God is working all things to our good. So you have to take both of those. Yes. I can't talk back to God. I can, I can ask him what he's doing. I can, and I can cry out to him like in the Psalms Mm -hmm. where, where the psalmists often get super blunt with God, like, Hey God, this sucks. And I need you to take care of it. Can Mm -hmm. you listen? Yeah. That's, that's a good thing to do, but we also understand our place that we don't understand everything that he's doing right now even though it, we know the end goal. Yeah. 
And I, and I need, I need the, was it the prophet Jeremiah? I need these kinds of passages in the Bible when I struggle with this, where mm-hmm. Jeremiah basically says, look, I know whatever you're doing, God is right and good. And I shouldn't complain, but I'm going to complain anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I need, I need, I need that kind of permission to just say, God, I don't understand. This doesn't feel like it's going anywhere good. And then remind myself why so downcast on my soul, put your hope in God. Especially like, when you're a prophet and God tells you to walk around naked for a year or whatever, <laughs> right? Like God, God no, what? <laughs> Can we not? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> or cooking over your own poop or yeah, whatever. Like. Right, right, right. Um, but I I did look up uh, a couple of uh I'll just do one. Uh the Puritans were just so good on providence. Yeah. If you want to learn providence, look up really any of the Puritans, uh, but John Flavel uh, said it would much, and so understand Puritans like to use large words and kind of odd syntax sometimes. It would much conduce to the settlement of your heart to consider that by fretting and discontent, you do yourself more injury than all your afflictions could do. Your own discontent is, is that which arms your troubles with a sting, you make your burden heavy by struggling under it. Did you but lie quietly under the hand of God, your condition would be much more easy than it is. Yeah, that's good. It's like, like trust, trust God with it. Calm down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even we, we, we think of uh, the uh, be still and know that I'm God verse a lot. Mm-hmm. But that verse is a little bit of a rebuke. Yes. Like, like calm down a minute, man. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Which at times is easier said than done. I mean, we, we, we should yeah. we should we should acknowledge that. And and you know, the the Bible is just so good. I mean, as as we read statements like "Calm down, be still, and know I'm good," um, you know, I'm God. Um, there's also verses, instructions for us to weep with those who weep. Yep. So there, there's going to be times when we just need to have a good cry with each other and we need to acknowledge the pain uh, and point each other to our confidence in God. Because even when his providence feels hard, harsh Mm -hmm. to us, um, i.e. a pandemic where so much of our comforts have been deconstructed, um, we, we, we know that all that has a timestamp on it. You know, that's the, Yep. We don't relish our eternal hope enough and and really anchor our joy to that enough. And um I think I think COVID has has helped me with that really is just oh, yeah. to go, you know, man, this is so temporary and uh life as I know it is temporary and but I have a great hope, um everlasting joy in the presence of God forever and ever and ever. And and Mary and I were talking about this just the other day, is that we find ourselves longing for the coming of the Lord even more, you know? Um, and I, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, ultimate providence, you know, we, we talk about whether God is sovereign over evil or whether he wills things, wills sin sinlessly. Well, what about the crucifixion? Well, exactly. Like God caused that to happen. Yeah. It, According it to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, Peter says yep. uh, Christ was crucified in his sermon at Pentecost. Yep. Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't an oopsie there. And you take those Greek words, definite plan and foreknowledge, and you put those together. What you what you've got there is providence. Yep. According to God's providence, 
his seeing to his redemptive plan, the greatest evil that has ever occurred happened to Jesus. Yep. And that was part of the providence of God. Yep. Does that clear anything up for you, John? You know, I, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I want to be, I want to be clear in, in forthright that, uh, um, that, you know, my challenge with this, uh, was, was never, uh, you know, the understanding of, of God's grand orchestration, uh, mm-hmm. and his uh, complete redemptive plan. It's, uh, putting myself in the position of one who, uh, let's say asks or, or is asked rather someone, uh, someone asks me, um, about the, uh, uh, the, the genesis of, of evil in an act. Who did that? Who caused that? That's the, that's the part that's gristly to chew on is, mm-hmm. you know, when we, when we acknowledge that God is sovereign above all that, when we acknowledge that he is seeing to, uh, his, his full redemptive plan and, these evil acts are part of that. What, what does that mean? And I think this is a part that, uh, that in our limited capability to comprehend the goodness and greatness of God, who is mm-hmm. 0% evil, null percent evil. Uh, how do we reconcile those, those thoughts? And uh, I think we keep wanting to put like our own understanding on these things. I mean, I, I certainly do. Um, but you know, we are constantly reminded through scripture that, uh, that our ways are not God's ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts transcends or surpasses understanding is a common theme that undergirds everything. And, uh, if, if nothing else, I think this discussion has, uh, uh, has inspired me to read more on on the topic to to get a better, fuller understanding of uh, of how to talk about this. It's not so much how to think about this; it's how to communicate it to others. That that is mm-hmm. is my main like hurdle. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I appreciate the topic in the in the chat on it today. Good stuff. Is, have either of you read Piper's new book on Providence? Hasn't he written a new book on Providence? Uh, I've read his book on the coronavirus, Christ and coronavirus, no, there, there's is, a, which, which had a lot of providence in it. Yeah, but I think there's a book that's come out recently, fairly recently, on um, on providence. Oh yeah, he did like an enormous, like yeah. seven hundred page something yeah. or other something. Yeah, that might I, I need to check that out. That might be worth reading. That might be helpful to you know just frame how we talk about it. Um, you know, I got posed a question yeah. uh, just recently when we were going through First Peter, um, which, you know, primary theme in First Peter is rejoicing <laughs> and joy in suffering. Uh, and uh, someone asked that I'm not sure this person's even a believer, really. Uh, why does God want us to suffer? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a complicated question. Um, and, but I think, you know, I think we could really just sort of settle in on the fact that, 
you know, God doesn't take some sort of sadistic pleasure out of our suffering in and of itself. You know, he doesn't enjoy watching us squirm. Uh, that's not who God is. But yet in our suffering, we know his, he is providing. Yeah. And what is he providing? Yep. He's providing us everything that is necessary to become, to be conformed to the image of Christ. Yep. And in that is joy for me. Um, I know I, I don't ever have to doubt that any pain I experience in this life is being used by God. I'm experiencing God's providence in it to become more like Jesus, uh, to be more conformed to the image of his son. Good is happening. I, I can know that and rest in that, even if I can't see it or perceive it in the moment. Um, and I think that's, that's that's why that's why providence is essential. And I just you know I said some to, to somebody the other day. Any diminishment in my mind and heart of God's sovereignty and His providence, any diminishment of that in order to make sense of life on this side of eternity mm-hmm. is a re, it equal it equates to a reduction of my joy in Him. Yeah, there's no it, it I, it's it's a there's, there's a direct correlation there uh, between my joy in him and my holding high his sovereignty and providence in my life. Yeah, and that that's where, you know, theology starts to get fun is it starts connecting. Like every piece of theology connects to every other piece somehow. Exactly. You can connect that to very easily to aseity mm-hmm. and, and other things immediately. Um, so good stuff, fellas. Uh, let's do the Inquisition, shall we? Show. And this is the Inquisition, where you, the listener, via a weekly post in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge, contribute to the show with your questions. As is tradition, we start with Brian Morris, who asks, "What's the worst Christmas song?" Because there there are some bad ones out there. There are some really really bad ones out there. I can't. I mean, I cannot stand like radio Christmas songs or like like church Christmas songs. I mean, he he left it pretty open ended. I can't Christmas stand shoes. Mariah Carey's "All I Want for Christmas." I oh, yeah. hate <laughs> that song, and I I really don't like Mariah Carey either. Which is entirely fair, though. August Burns Red just put out their newest christmas release and they covered that of course it's all instrumental and metal uh-huh. which is significantly cooler <laughs> and uh, and the cover of this is jake lures their vocalist who is just absolutely jack basically doing his mariah carey impression oh, in, in the santa gosh. outfit <laughs> it sounds like a saturday night live skit. it's 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 redeemed we'll mm. call it redeemed <laughs> um for me uh one that's vaguely Christian, Christmas shoes. Y'all, yeah. <laughs> what is that uh, song? I don't even know if I know that. That was oh, that was big the, on the uh, Christian radio that's stuff. That's the, like, the. Oh, it still is. They still play it. It's it's like a Hallmark movie in a song. It's uh, yeah, you know, it's it's. It's a heartwarming tale of this little boy whose mom is sick. And there was a movie made on Hallmark Channel, probably, with Rob Lowe or something. Uh, his mom's sick. He wants to buy her shoes for Christmas, doesn't have enough, so she can look pretty when she meets Jesus. And uh, he doesn't have enough money, so a man 
uh, behind him at the counter on Christmas Eve, pays for the balance, and uh, he is blessed by it. The concept is arguably okay, but it is, and it's, it's by New Song, and so it's just meh. Uh, but also, uh, that John Lennon one, The War Is Over, I can't. <laughs> I I just uh, like I already don't I already don't like the Beatles, so to take like thank you the worst Beatles sorry sorry to everybody to take like the worst Beatle, and be like let's drop some acid and record a Christmas album. I'm not bored with anything that could come out of that situation. I don't like the Beatles either. We're we're uh, unified on yeah. that. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, yeah. I've I've never understood the appeal. When uh, the Beatles library yeah, dropped on Spotify, we Mary and I were going on a long drive somewhere and she was all excited. She was like, the Beatles are on Spotify now. We should listen to it while we were riding. I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. And about 15 minutes in, I'm like, Mary, I can't take this anymore. This is awful. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my vote okay. for... We've undoubtedly alienated some listeners, but yep. uh, yeah, no uh, doubt. I'm okay with that. Yes, absolutely. Um my vote for worst Christmas song is Mary. Did you know? I knew you were going to say yeah. that I B- knew because, you because yes, yes. In fact, she did. <laughs> she was literally told like, why, why are you asking if she knows an angel showed up and said, Hey, you're going to carry the Messiah. Like, <laughs> Come on. Like the premise of this song is come on. But she didn't know that he was going to open blind eyes and you know, she would have, if she knew her old Testament, which was all the Bible that they had at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. the The question in general is, you know, it is framed as a rhetorical one, because uh, otherwise, it's like super naggy. It's like, yeah. it's like every time you see Mary, like, hey Mary, did, did did you know? <laughs> no, did you know? No, it's like I did get you- it. He's special. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome john good oh uh, another fun one from Corey truax and you should go listen to his podcast just search Corey truax his last name's kind of weird uh but he asks between star trek and star wars which universe slash movies slash show is better and then, and then he tacks on and why is it star trek i agree with him 100 percent uh with the exception of the jj abrams uh universe uh he took it did his own thing but when i talk about star trek i don't talk about that uh (laughs) i would say that uh that star trek easily has it because star trek was framed even from its very inception with gene roddenberry it was framed uh wow i just jumped like right into like passion yeah i'm impressed i'm impressed um, this is yeah the, the thing with Star Trek, Star was Trek is just going to be a main started, show topic one day. <laughs> it started as a, uh, I mean, the, of course, there's silly episodes and things, but in general, it was a uh, a way via allegory to address issues, to address issues mm-hmm. that were that were plaguing uh, or hot topics within within culture or, or whatever. I mean, look at some of the even the casting decisions. I mean, uh, Uhura. Uh, geez, what was I don't remember her name. Um, but uh, she was one of the first African American females to be in a major role on uh, on 
on regular television on a major on one on a main network um the uh even Chekhov uh, with uh with his uh russian accent this show dropped in the middle of the cold war yeah and and you had the thickest eastern Bloc accent driving the freaking enterprise with the full faith and trust of of the of the rest of the crew you know and, and that trend continued through shut up cody fields uh, that that trend continued through into next generation um dealing with uh and in the movies dealing with topics of of genocide racism language barriers uh cultural differences cultural appropriation so on and so forth um granted sometimes the conclusions that they come to uh were not ones that 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 we uh collectively as the church would uh, would agree with all the time because our worldviews uh differ right i mean star trek and its subsequent uh not really spin-offs but uh expansions of the universe uh didn't really come from a christian worldview but it came from a very altruistic one and so there's some there's some lineup there um and uh yeah that in like Star Wars is good. Don't get me wrong. Star Wars is good. I enjoy it. I even enjoy the Disney stuff. The prequels are whatever. They made for a, a good video game. You know, Pod Racer was a fun video game. But uh, there's just not the really the the depth in the video format stuff in in Star Wars. You got to read a lot of the books. With Star Trek, you have just just decades of material. Uh, and it's and it's it's true science fiction rather than space western and so my preference is is of the science fiction variety and uh yeah that's all i have to say about that i have nothing to contribute to that <laughs> that was great i i i i'm in awe like that uh, i, I uh, never I, like I, I never had any idea speed. that star trek had all these like um uh, i don't know allegorical um elements I, I didn't know that i never really thought of it i will i will send you the name of an episode i think they're all on amazon i'm not saying that you need to become a star trek fan and and go through the whole thing i'm going to send you one episode of the next generation okay uh perhaps two <laughs> <laughs> um for for any Trek fans out there, uh, Mr. Truax included, uh, I will be sending him. Uh, I don't remember the name of the episode, so I have to look it up. But it's the uh, the one where they speak in uh, in metaphor. They speak in story, um, uh, and then the second one will be the "There Are Four Lights," uh, very philosophically rich episode. So my my band actually has a episode uh... names over. My band actually has a song do. called "There Are Four Lights" in uh, in reference to that episode. But I mean, I'm I'm personally more of a Star Wars fan because I grew up with it. Nothing wrong and, with that, right? Sure. And 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 I do appreciate the distinction you made toward the end of Star Trek is proper science fiction with a lot of allegory, 
Star Wars is a space western, mm-hmm. um, and and honestly, it also has a lot of fantasy elements in it as well. I mean, it, it's basically space wizards, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you, you you could you know make uh, make some uh, comparisons. I, I'm not saying one for one, but with stuff like Lord of the Rings, right? Since since you're talking about actual what's called wizards, where the Jedi, if, if anybody's watched the Mandalorian. They're, the Jedi I referred referred to as sorcerers. So, you know, it's it's a fantasy. It's a Western. It's not science fiction. I consider them two entirely different things. It's just that they're both in space. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, final question. Hunter Chapin asks, I had a friend ask me recently, should we evangelize the Jewish people? So hard hard gear shift there. Should should the Jews be evangelized? Why wouldn't we? Right? Right? Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. So I, I don't... I mean, the early church apostles... Um, they were all Jewish. They were all Jewish, and they were evangelizing Jews. You know, Paul was called to the Gentiles, although every city he went into, he went to the Jewish synagogue and reasoned with the Jews first in yep. many cases um, and would get stoned and thrown out of town by the Jews, and then Gentiles would get saved. Um, and obviously he his comments in Romans about, um, you know, how salvation for the Gentiles will at some point make Jews jealous and all of that. But I, I, you know, sometimes I wonder why people, and I'm not saying Hunter Chapin's hung up on this, but why, why people get so hung up on this? Like I, I've had missionaries, I get calls um, fairly regularly, a dozen times a year, half a dozen times a year from missionaries who mm-hmm. want to come here and raise money. Yeah. And there's been at least two that I can think of that have called and their marketing pitch, so to speak, is that they are evangelizing Jews like that mm-hmm. um, in order to usher in the coming of the Lord. That like right. that, that to me is like, you know, no, that, I that's, think I think this is going to be pretty interesting how this all connects. If I remember correctly, there was some kind of hubbub in the general culture about someone saying that Jews needed to be saved recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and the liberals kind of freaked out, well, you know, basically leave them alone kind of thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. But you also see some connections to uh, like hyper dispensationalism, right? uh, Like John Hagee. And and this, this is, there's no way around it. This is heresy. He says that, you know, Gentiles are saved by Jesus and Jews can either be saved by Jesus or by keeping the law. Yeah. And being good Jews. He says that verbatim. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, other than his goofy blood moon nonsense. Um, but, you know, the influences of, of Hagee and his ilk, I think, have kind of infected some of our thinking. Like, like there's, there's only one name under heaven by which men are saved. Mm. Yeah, it's, and it's not by being a yeah. Jew. It's, be, it's being connected to the only faithful Jew. That's right. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I, I've never I've never thought of this. I, I guess I always took the, the this question for granted. Is that because uh, Luther hated Jews? 
Oh, don't. That was only later <laughs> in life. You got senile. Um, <laughs> dang it. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, you know, I always took it for granted because uh, uh, should we should we evangelize uh, to those of the Jewish faith? I'm like, well, yeah, they've already got a head start. Like, just finish the book with them. You know, like, like I guess I I had never I've never run into uh, to a disagreement over over the topic. Although I have seen them, obviously I've never personally ran into a uh, a issue. Um, but then again, I'm smack dab in the middle of the United States, and there's not a whole bunch of folks speaking Hebrew around here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's not anti-Semitic to evangelize Jews. You know, no, it, it, that. I think some people think that it is, but it's not because, you know, if, if Paul would go and reason with Jews from the old Testament, that Jesus was indeed the Christ, yep. you know, what, what you just said, John sort of tongue in cheek is really true. They've got a massive head start. They, they have the God of the Bible, but they have not uh, accepted his Messiah. Um, and there is, there's work that can be done in the old Testament scriptures to, to prove and validate that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, um, the Jewish Messiah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think evangelism of the Jews has a bit of a unique um, feel to it, mm -hmm. uh, for sure. You know, there's a, dare I say, a, uh, don't press this, press me on this too far, but dare I say a family connection of sorts where there's like a, a there's a tension right. that, that, uh, you know, we, we can, we can dive into immediately as opposed to, uh, other religions that have the wrong God entirely. Right. Um, but, uh, no, I think absolutely, you know, um, if, if God puts anyone in that kind of position to share Christ with a Jew, that's absolutely the right and thing to do. And it's the same kind of, of conversation, obviously with differences, uh, that you would have with, jehovah's witnesses or mormons or anyone else who who rejects the true jesus right and, and what who jesus said that he was like he he did say before abraham was i am yeah. ergo jesus is claiming to be yahweh right regardless of what the jehovah's witnesses say regardless of what the of the mormons say and and we would prefer them to be able to hang out with us in eternity mm-hmm and so, and so if a Mormon or a Jehovah's witness, a Jehovah's witness is going to talk to me, I'm going to try and evangelize them. Exactly. So, yeah. Mm. Good question. Yep. Very good question. Gosh darn it. They are nice. They're wrong, but they're nice. They are. They are incredibly nice. Bless their hearts. Because mm. they're wrong. <laughs> well make sure you subscribe on facebook and instagram leave us a five-star review as always we don't care if it's honest we just want the five stars so uh we can bump up the rankings and all that good stuff you can support the show at anchor.fm even as well as a dollar a month make sure you email me uh with the address what you do and we'll hook you up with stuff and uh yeah until next week thanks for listening